0: listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Hello my radio friends. Thank you for joining me today. In this ever-increasing secular society, it's good to know that you and others like you are interested in the Word of God. Did you realise that much of what anyone believes is based on faith? I'm not referring only to those who accept God's existence, but also those who don't. It is a faith statement so as to say that God does not exist. Atheists and agnostics require faith in order to hold their anti-God beliefs, as they cannot prove that God does not exist. The world of the atheist and agnostic is cold and futureless. The world of the Christian is good news and a certain hope for the future. The Christian knows that he or she is loved by the most powerful being in the universe. Now, are you aware that the Roman Catholic Church claims that the head of its organisation is supposedly God's representative on planet Earth. Among the titles that the Pope carries is the Vicar of Christ. The word vicar means one who stands in the place of another or simply a representative. I have several books about the popes down through history and it's fascinating to read who the popes were and what they did. Roman Catholics hold several strong beliefs regarding their head of the church and these are some of those beliefs. Firstly, that the pope is God's representative on earth. Secondly, that the first Pope was the Apostle Peter. Third, that the Pope is infallible, meaning he can do no wrong and that he will only ever speak the truth. Fourthly, that the Pope must be celibate, meaning that he will not marry and will not have sexual intercourse. Fifthly, the Pope will be a male, and sixth, that the P, that the Pope has been given authority to forgive sins. Now you may have seen news items where the Pope has visited certain countries, and crowds of multiple thousands come out to see him. The Pope is indeed a very popular personality amongst the 1.2 billion Roman Catholics in the world today. The current Pope was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, on December 17, 1936. His name is George Mario Bergoglio, and he became Pope Francis on March the 13th, 2013. His parents were devout Italian Catholic migrants. He, that's the Pope, is the 266th Pope, although there have been popes who have been regarded as false popes and still others who have been wrongly numbered. It is uncertain whether 266 is the correct number. The word Pope means Papa or Father. Pope Francis is a Jesuit. He's the first Jesuit Pope. At this stage, Pope Francis has a public image of being friendly, humble and interested in the socially disadvantaged. It is a normal expectation that the Pope is a very holy person. After all, it's claimed that he is God's representative here on earth. What you see on television shows the Pope as walking slowly, often looking very solemn, and saying what would be often described as uplifting things. The office of Pope is a holy post. But is it? With regard to Pope Francis, I shall share something with you later. For now, we'll deal with some of the earlier popes, all of whom should have been regarded as holy men. Pope Francis' immediate predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, has a dark shadow surrounding him. The financial magazine Business Insider suggests that Pope Benedict was very probably gay. The magazine reports that when Benedict resigned from his papal position, he took with him his personal secretary, the handsome Archbishop George Ganswain, who was Benedict's male companion while he was in office. The magazine goes on to say Sullivan isn't exactly alone in his suspicions. He points towards a book by Angelo Quattrochi, playfully entitled The Pope Is Not Gay, that he felt reached similar conclusions. In addition, former Benedictine, sorry, monk, priest and author Richard Sype claims to have spoken to a number of Roman clerics and members of the Roman press corps who were convinced that Benedict was gay. Leaks from the Vatican have revealed the high level of corruption that exists within those walls. The corruption concerns money laundering and more especially sexual deviancy including homosexuality and pornography. One of my books about the popes through the ages gives interesting information about the secret and the not-so-secret lives of popes. Did you know that Pope John VIII was a woman and a promiscuous one, one at that? Did you know that some of the popes were married and others openly had mistresses? some popes had children did you know that some popes were openly playboys and that some fought rival popes that some were murderers some were involved in crime some were debauched that is they lived very sinful lives some were mentally incapable of reasonable thought and some were totally incompetent. According to the past records concerning the popes, the belief that the popes are infallible seems to ignore the facts. The old maxim, an organisation will only be as good as its leader, does not do much good for the reputation of the Roman Church. Furthermore, if the popes are God's representatives on earth, that is not saying much about God. I always thought God was holy and just and good, not corrupt and partial and sinful. The two main questions that need to be answered are Was the Apostle Peter the first Pope? And, Does the Pope and his delegated priests have the right to forgive sins? In the book of Matthew chapter 16 and verses 18 and 19, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He had just asked a question about who the disciples thought Jesus was. Peter answered the question and was commended for the correct answer he gave. Then Jesus said this, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Catholicism claims that the church is founded on the apostle Peter. Therefore, Peter is the first pope. The church, they say, determines who goes to heaven and who does not. In other words, according to their bold claims, one's destiny is determined by the will of the church. But let's examine what Jesus actually said more closely. In verse 17, Jesus called Peter Simon. In the next statement, he calls him Peter or Petros. He went on on to say that on this rock he would build his church. But the word Petros means a stone, and the rock he would build his church on would be Petra, a large slab, more like a mountain made of rock. The Apostle Peter's name meant a mere loose stone, Well, the Lord's church would be built on rock. Would Peter have been a suitable basis for building God's church? The answer is no. A few words later on, Jesus called Peter Satan, which means opposer. Later on, Peter showed his unfaithfulness, and denied that he even knew who Jesus was. And Peter told several blatant lies. And of course, Peter never ever claimed to be the foundation, the Petra rock of the church. You see, the rock Jesus referred to was himself. Notice what is said in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 3 and 4. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ, not Peter. There are many other references in the Bible saying much the same thing, that is, that the Lord is the rock. While the Apostle Peter was used in a mighty way by God, he was less than infallible. It seems very unlikely that Christ would build his church on such a person. I believe, therefore, that the claim of the Roman church is incorrect. But didn't Jesus say to Peter, that he would be given the keys to the kingdom? Yes, he did. But he said a similar thing to all the disciples. And you can read that in Matthew 18, verse 18, where Jesus said to all the disciples, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The keys of the kingdom is not the right to include or exclude anyone from entering the kingdom of heaven. It is the right and responsibility to share the gospel message with others. By so doing, people will either accept or reject the message. We'll have a short break and go on straight afterwards. Just before the break, I mentioned to you a verse from the Bible where Jesus spoke to the disciples and told them the pretty much the same thing as what he said to Peter. And this is confirmed by what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and 20. He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. The keys of the kingdom, the binding and loosing, is where the minds of the people are opened up to the good news of salvation. Now, What about that claim that the Pope or his priests have the authority to forgive sins? When Jesus was on planet Earth, he was constantly being watched by the Jewish leaders. They were ready to pounce if he made any mistake. But Jesus lived a sinless life and they couldn't pin anything on him to condemn him. At times they contrived situations but he was much too smart for them. At times the Jewish the Jews accused him of blasphemy, that is that he claimed to be God. Well, he was God, but they didn't recognise that. At one time Jesus healed a paralytic man and said to him Take heart, your sins are forgiven. That's from Matthew nine two. Jesus had the power to forgive sins because of who he was. And then in verse 6, Jesus followed up by saying, But so that you may know that the Son of Man, that's himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. In Ephesians 1.7 we're told this, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Jews actually had it right. In Mark 2, verse 7, their question was also a statement, and they said, Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, that's talking about breaking God's holy law. Moral issues are forgiven only by God. But non-moral sins can be forgiven by the person who is wronged. For example, if I do something that hurts you, you may, if you choose, forgive me. This is made quite clear in the Lord's Prayer. But moral sins can only be forgiven by God. The Roman Church has made some very bold self-proclamations and announce to the world that the Pope and his priests, because he supposedly is the vicar of Christ, has the authority to forgive sins. This was a big issue in the time of the Reformation. It was not true then, and it's not true now. Priests do not have the authority to forgive sins, nor does the Pope. Anyone who knows anything about the history of the Roman Church should know about the sale of what were called indulgences. If someone was planning to commit a crime or some sin or sins, they could, by paying money into the Church's coffers, prepay for their forgiveness. St. Peter's Basilica in Rome was funded this way. It was like the church gave approval for committing sin. Martin Luther found this practice abhorrent because it was abhorrent. How could a sinful man such as a priest forgive when he himself is morally corrupt? If you have sinned, whether you're a Catholic or not, go to God. Ask forgiveness of him. Anything else is a farce. Pope Francis is proving to be a very well-accepted Pope. Prior, prior to becoming Pope, he was and still is a Jesuit. The Jesuits belong to what many would call the action part of the Roman Church. The public image of the Jesuits is that they are involved in many good works. But there is a secret and perhaps a sinister side to them. The Jesuits belong to an order which pledges itself to making the Pope, the world's political and religious leader, something like what existed before the Protestant Reformation high-ranking Jesuits are required to swear an oath. You can find this oath on the net, on the internet, that is. Simply type in Jesuit oath. It is very scary because the Jesuits pledge themselves to advance the cause of the Roman Church by whatever means possible, whether legal or illegal. The end supposedly justifies the means. The Jesuits are considered to have been responsible for some terrible things in the past. One wonders, therefore, about the genial Pope Francis, especially since he's been actively promoting the Come Home to Rome campaign. The whole point of what I've shared with you today is a warning not to put your faith in man-made organizations that claim to be the way to salvation. They are not. There is only one way you can be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter, who the Roman Church claims as its first pope, said this, It's found in the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. He said salvation is found in no one else than Jesus for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no option. The only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. So When someone wants you to believe that by following their leader or by conforming to their system of rules or traditions, do not believe them. They are false prophets and they will lead you astray. Instead, believe the word of God, the Bible. It will guide you on the right path. So, my dear friends, we must stop today. Won't you join me again next time for another in the series, Give Me the Bible. Until then, may you be guided by God's word. And may, may you have joy and peace as you commit your life to Christ.
1: an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame How I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday For a crown Oh, that old rugged cross So despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory To my home, far away, where His glory